passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Podcast. The questions edition comes every Tuesday or Wednesday at GoPowerCat.com. I assume this will be up on Wednesday. I don't know. I don't even know what day of the week it is half the time because this whole COVID-19 thing apparently erased calendars. I get gloomy on the weekends and enjoy the weekdays. It makes no sense. And none of it makes sense. And speaking of not making sense, Levi Stockard, one of the two returning seniors for Kansas State basketball, is in the portal. He is transferring from Kansas State. I guess technically he could stay. This comes on the heels of Kansas State getting a commitment from another post player, and we'll get into all of that as we progress on this edition of the PowerCat podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gills-Gilsbert. Did it again, for God's sakes. Ryan Gills-Gilbert. Oh, man. And to explain why we had to give him a nickname, we already have Ryan Wallace, and Tom Gilbert is the basketball SID. It got very confusing. We asked if he would change his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he declined. So I then said, Lou Alcinder is available. Uh, folks, he has no idea who I'm talking about right now. Lou Alcinder is available, and he declined that too, so we went with Gills. It got very, very confusing around the office for the brief time we were all together before the coronavirus came and sat down on society. We're sponsored by The Fridge. It is essential that you go to The Fridge during the coronavirus scare. Do it. Just go in there and sanitize your body with great products from the fridge. You can still walk in as long as you're socially distant from everyone else in the store and you don't make friends. Do not make friends with strangers during the coronavirus, but go to the fridge. That is what we're trying to tell you right now here on this podcast. We're via Zoom again. Guys, I miss you. I'm, I'm sorry. I got miss emotional. You too. I got emotional. I'm having a great time with my dogs, guys. My dogs are the best. The the best company ever. They're getting so spoiled. I was just sitting on my back deck, beautiful 51 degrees on this Tuesday morning, and uh, dude, the pood came up and gave me a hug. He just climbed up on me and hugged me. And that's a good way to start every day, unless that hug's from Zach. Zach, uh... <laughs> I miss, oh, yeah. I miss your hugs, too, I guess. I'll just say that. They're nice. I've never hugged you, Fitz. Yeah, I'm always open to hugs. I'm a hugger. I'm the John okay. Weefald of sports journalism. I will hug. I'll keep that in mind. Let's get on the Learn other side. about John Weefald all the time. Yeah. Oh, he was a <laughs> big hugger. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to delay those hugs until after the COVID-19 scare settles down because, Gills, I don't trust where you've been. You're out driving around, going to people's houses, delivering pizza. Money's money. How How is that working out for you, buddy? It's been good. People are tipping a little bit better during this time. I think but they would be. They're just happy yeah, to see someone, fun. even if it's from six feet away. <laughs> yeah, it's good to get out of the house and, and drive around, roll the windows down, and play some music and deliver some pizzas. I've been out of my house, off my property once in the last month. Driving my wow. wife somewhere to go pick up food. So didn't even get out of my car 
I guess I technically haven't set foot off my property because I was in the car the whole time and didn't set foot down on Mother Earth outside of 1624 You Know What Terrace. <sighs> I'm listed. People can come stalk me. I think people do, too. It's creepy. People slow roll my house. It's cul-de-sac staring. Get away from me, people. Oh, I never told you about your neighbor, Will, when I came to bring you McDonald's. Oh, yeah? What did Will say? I, they were Him and his, his son, I think they were out playing catch in the cul-de-sac, and they're like, what, do you deliver for Grubhub? And I'm like, nah, I deliver for Fitz. <laughs> I think he was surprised. Like, he didn't... <laughs> He didn't get it. That's funny. I figured he'd seen my car around a bit. But. Yeah. Well, Will's the best. The other day I was out trying to work in the lawn and I've, I've thrown my back out and I don't have any, I have nothing. I mean, my muscle mass is all gone with my cancer treatments. And uh, he came over and just started helping from six feet away. Like I had was thatching my lawn and sweeping it into pulling it into the street. And he, all of a sudden the street's clean and. All of a sudden, he's, I throw down seed, and he's bringing over dirt to put on top of it. It was incredible. He's, in, he, he's the best neighbor except on the 4th of July when he blows up the whole city of Manhattan right above my house. Let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. This first half is sponsored by Tanners. Tanners, I, I just got to say I miss you. I miss everyone at Tanners, although I haven't been going as often prior to this because i just don't get out very much i was down to only a handful of people i knew that weren't management at tanners and now they'll probably all be gone because i have a feeling by the time we've uh, got out of covid19 it'll be the year 2023 and all graduating seniors will be gone that's my projection not only will there be no college football there will be no life as we know it until 2023 enjoy what happens with that america but Tanners, I'll be there as soon as possible. I promise. I do promise. And everyone, all my friends that listen to this podcast will come with me. And speaking of this podcast, let's get going. Zach, let's get some questions from Wabash Station going. From Wizard6294, are you optimistic on Carlton Lingard, or is this another late Bruce find that ends up transferring in a couple of years? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know either. I, don't, I haven't seen enough of him. Uh, I I just don't know where we're going with this. I I'm guarded about it. His frame is troubling, and I would have said he's a candidate for a red shirt until the Levi Stockard transfer news dropped. Now I'm going to just say this: I didn't like Lingard for one reason. That gave them four true posts. Now they can say Lingard can play power forward and Stocker can play power forward, but not really. Not in the type of basketball you need to play in the Big 12. Those guys aren't going to be the type of guys I think you want getting up and down the court and defending the four. So really they they had four true posts now on this roster, and that is getting you way out of whack. I That's what I didn't understand about it. And Maybe they recruited with the knowledge that Levi Stockard was going to leave. I don't know. I'm just stunned by this. Maybe being locked down at home, I missed something and talking to people that this was going to happen. But uh, I'm just really surprised. It leaves him only with Mike. Don't kiss them a girl. No, hold on. That's not right. Don't take them a girl. There we go. I got it right. Mike, don't take them a girl. Uh, hey, by the way, Gills, that's an old uh, Tim McGraw song. Yeah. I'm no idea what you just said. Okay, good. It's really good having this division of generations on the podcast when I have to explain everything because I am horribly dated. So Mike McGraw will be the lone senior now, the lone player with more than a year experience on the roster at K-State. Wrap your mind around that. One year ago, Kansas State was coming off a Big 12 championship and here we are with only one player remaining from that team. It's stunning. What a what a collapse of the program after a Big 12 championship. I don't think Levi Stockard's a great player. I'm not a Levi Stockard fan. But this really indicates something more going on here that maybe we haven't fully grasped that um, players are bailing now on the program. And maybe if you're Levi Stockard, you looked around the room and said, my senior season's going to suck. With all these young guys, let's get out of here. So, I'm not sure. I don't even know what the question was at this point, Zach. I'm just rambling. But I'm doing it well. 
what percentage of our transfers end up working out? Like 10, maybe 15, 20%? Yeah, it's not very high. I mean, so I, that's why I'm not excited about this. I, I'm with you, buddy. I'm totally with you. I, I'm just really guarded about it. And maybe it's because I think we all expected Donovan Williams to be in this class. Well, hell, he told us he was in this class. I mean, he told you specifically. I mean, he did all of his signing day or, excuse me, commitment day interviews in advance. So everyone had stories ready to go. And then he commits to Oklahoma State. So that was a weird situation. Now I think it's essential. It's absolutely essential that K-State go find a senior grad transfer. They need some experience on this roster, and and they need this scholarship back for next year. I mean, that's another problem. All of a sudden, they're looking at only having two scholarships based on graduation in the next two years, one apiece. Is that right? I mean, uh, yeah, that's right. Everyone else is freshmen and sophomores. Boys, it's just, oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. We'll see what happens. But you're right, Gills. They don't have a good history of this. They just don't. I would love to see him wear a red shirt still if that's possible. And I think it is with Antonio Gordon being able to slide up to the five if needed. But you. Oh, God. Don't give me that imagination. But Tony playing the five? Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, it's not good. He's not. Thank you. At least right now, he's not strong enough to defend. From Fervent Purple. Mm-hmm. With our class now complete, how comfortable are you with our point guard situation going into next season? Boy, how that question? Well, that age. could be three now with the with Stalker transferring, but I don't know. It'll be definitely some growing pains no matter what happens. You got Pack, who's a freshman, and then Williams, who's technically a junior, but it's a different game in the Big 12 for him. So it's going to be, I think, a lot of growing pains, a lot of turnovers for, for K-State next year. I think they have to go find a senior point guard at this point. They need another wing. I know that. That's what didn't make sense to me about the Lingard commitment was they needed a wing. I mean, they're just out. They're not only out of whack with their classes now. They're out of whack with their position groups. They basically have six guys to play three positions and six guys to play two positions. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. They need to have – they need to get someone in that – uh, guard, small forward rotation, if anything, but I think a point guard, or at least someone who can function as a point guard, a combo guard. I saw someone from Memphis transferring, but I don't think he was a grad. Um, this needs someone out there that can function. Yeah, he wasn't a grad. He was an underclassman. So having someone sit out doesn't help at all. Uh, there's alarm bells galore with this basketball program right now. From Adam K sixty three, has this time period of nothing been the ultimate test for D Scott to come up with new stories? Man, it's been amazing. It's it's been amazing to watch his brain work. Well, and we shifted him over doing to some of the Riley Gates stuff. Now that rallies are twenty four seven, so when something breaks like Levi Stockard, he hops on it. So that helps, I think, take the pressure off him. But he is amazing at how he comes up with content, and we've got a whole nother couple sets of content that are in the wings one really cool one from ryan wallace another very uh i think it's going to be fun from michael goins and those things are just in the hopper as we uh kind of put things evergreen product as they say in the industry we put some evergreen stuff uh on hold and and hold on to it until we need it uh, i think we'll start running ryan wallace's stuff out on mondays starting next week because we've run the string out on our best of overtime i didn't want to start into 2021s that seems silly to be doing best of from two months ago three months ago but yeah d scott he's been amazing he always is amazing and he's really refocused himself on on some of the things that we need to do during this pandemic it's it's been incredible to watch him crank out stuff from adam k63 Will the phase into getting the country back to regular schedules possibly help out with the thought of having college football in the fall? Yeah, at some point we're going to need to find some normalcy. Uh, you know, there's there's a real problem here is uh, – I'm just going to say it. I'm happy some states are trying to open up for one reason. Let's see what happens. I mean, I don't I don't want the worst to happen, but – what if nothing happens? And, you know, I mean, we just don't know. Maybe we're being overly cautious and uh, it's not needed because a lot of damage is being done. 
I suspect it's going to be in the middle. Uh, they're going to regret opening up this soon, but um, we'll find out. We'll find out, and that'll be helpful information for decision-making. So those things where you, if you rush the decision, the consequences are awful. If you delay the decision, I don't think people realize how awful the consequences are. I mean, as a small business owner, I, I'm really hurting for my fellow small business owners. We are in a position to survive this because we have loyal customers and we can continue to do this. But we'll eventually need football, sports to perpetuate content. But there's going to be a lot of businesses that just don't open. They just never recover from this. And the ripple effects from that will be awful. And I think getting college football back will help greatly. I think the NFL draft this week will help the psyche of America. Uh, but then again, they're saying it could be hacked and it could crash. So that could make a whole new level of entertainment if someone hacks it and drafts a punter. We're going to need to get back to something that feels normal sooner rather than later. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to have to figure it out. That's that's how we win this war. We didn't know how we were going to win actual physical wars through the history, and we managed to do it. We're going to have to figure this out because the the impact to our entire society and economy is is going to just be awful, just awful. And I, it really hurts me to see people not understand that. That you know, I mean, if if you don't have businesses, you don't have tax dollars to to go doling out to people that need your support. The money isn't magic. It has to be brought in by successful businesses and people. And if people are losing their jobs and businesses are collapsing, there won't be money to dole out to people that need it. So we need to get going. I think as time goes on, regardless of how seriously you took it in the beginning or whatever, I think at some point everyone was taking it seriously. And I think as long as this keeps going out to where we're still socially distancing, still locked down, still stay at home, I think that the support of staying home is going to keep going down and down and down to the point where people are going to be like, we have to do this regardless of, you know, the infection, um, the disease. I think that I, I hate saying it as, you know, the damage can't be worse than the cure or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think at some point for a lot of people, that's going to be the case where it's like, Hey, we got to get back to work versus, trying to prevent the spread of this yeah i mean and i think the key here is testing when we get the instantaneous testing if it's accurate um it's not about testing it's about accurate testing and and uh if we can get the 15 minute test you know the the saliva test that supposedly is on its way um to the masses that'll be good because you can just if you can have a covid19 home test where you can just make sure you're still fine and good then that would be fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I suspect that some of our positive tests are getting tripped by other versions of the coronavirus because there are a lot of people that seem to have tested positive. You know, I'm just thinking of NBA guys that that don't have any symptoms at all. Um, and I, I, I think maybe we're going to discover once we test a whole bunch of people that this is very widespread, but a lot of people just have an immunity to it or fight it off. Um, the numbers are also skewed. We don't know what the real numbers are. There's only so much testing and we only seem to test people that have it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have enough symptoms, we'll test you. Oh, you have it. And it makes it look like, um, everyone's getting it that gets tested. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. College football would be fantastic for everyone. And I've said it before, universities need to get open. You know, for the first step is the universities need to have people on campus and classes going if we're going to have college football. I think everyone is making that clear. We can't have college football if the campuses aren't open because the players wouldn't be there. So we got to get campuses open. And if we don't get campuses open, there's going to be a lot of institutions that collapse because in the face of lowering tax revenues for state governments, how are they going to prop up state institutions like Kansas State or any other college university in this state system? You've got to have the money to prop them up, and it's just all going to kind of be a bunch of dominoes lined up, and once one tips, they all start tipping. Um, 
I don't know. We'll find out. And I don't think any of us want our our college system to totally collapse because it's going to be on the verge of it. I don't know what's going to happen with a bunch of small schools that rely on uh, students getting government loans. I think that's going to be really jeopardize a lot of small universities and colleges around the country. There was a study I saw or a report. I'm not sure how reputable it was, but in California, the infection rate might, there might be 30 times more people infected exactly that they might see with, with antibody testing. And if, if that's really the case, and if that study or that report is true, I think that you're going to see the, the country reopen a lot sooner than later. Yeah, particularly once we start studying you know, the antibodies that people are carrying, maybe we'll better understand how to treat this. Um, I don't know. It's I'm not a scientist. I'm just a sports guy. But I do understand how important this all is to the nation. College football is part of our social structure that we will really miss. More than the NBA, more than March Madness, more than the Masters, college football is the fall for a big swaths of the country and without it it's going to get really we're starting to see it fray around the country people growing tired of this um, because they don't quite understand why all this lockdown's taking place uh, you know i'm fine with it i i'm not doing it because the government's telling me to do it i'm doing it because it's best for me and if people would look at it like that maybe they'd come to a better understanding but a lot of people aren't taking this as seriously as they need to talking a lot about it economically just think about psychologically i mean you've been trapped in your house for the last month or so if there's no college football people are going to start losing it you know i'm i'm out delivering pizzas and stuff and i'm still getting you know i find myself getting grumpy and you know just angry at little things i think it's really because of the way this life we're living is yeah hey when you're delivering pizzas can you go like 60 down like College Avenue or something, <laughs> just like floor it and there's nobody around. When you're out delivering, I've is heard. there any much traffic? It surprisingly is pretty busy. I'm in Overland Park, but there's a lot of people out and about. I mean, if if you didn't tell me, you know, if I came from another planet and looked at the traffic, I would have no idea that we were in a pandemic. Zero. Interesting. Yesterday I was out. I went to go get mail for us and – it seemed like there were more people out on a Monday than normally would be in April. Yeah, I don't doubt that. It was, everything was busy, like all the roads. Like it wasn't like it was five o'clock rush hour traffic, but I mean, it's busier than what it should be. You know, and it's entirely possible that it's just people out driving too, to get out of their house. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're safe inside your vehicle, just go, you know, drive around and get out. I think I'm going to try to do that this week when the weather's nice, get out outside of town and roll the windows down and drive a little bit and get some fresh air and and uh, drive so fast the rona can't catch me that's going to be my motto last question of the first half from campy 3507 i'm starting to hear more chatter about conference realignment knowing that tv deals are coming soon how much of our recent athletic investments are related to such and do you think k-state is doing enough to make sure we're not left out in the cold all of them I mean, you know, that's kind of a lie, but all of them have an impact on that. I mean, they're not solely rooted in that, hey, we've got to keep up case conference realignment. You have to keep up with your competition in your own conference, and, and doing so helps you out with conference realignment that you don't get left behind. People can come tour your campus and say, yeah, Kansas State has big-time facilities. And they need to be in the conference. If you're Kansas State, it's essential. You can't fall behind right now. You don't have football clicking like it was at one point. And and so as we move forward with this, if Kansas State football gets back to winning 8, 9, 10, 11 games a season on a regular basis, they're not going to get left out. Hell, if you're Boise State and you're doing that, people are going to talk about you as a member, although Boise State, apparently their academics are so bad, nobody wants them. But I just keep coming back to the fact that I, I truly believe the Big Ten and SEC have to solve the 14 problem. 14 members creates a lot of problems for you. It was the worst number to stop on in terms of scheduling and aligning, you know, instead of having 16 and going to four quads of four, that makes scheduling a lot easier and you get to see everyone every six years, even in a 16-team conference. 
14 is just an awful number. Uh, and the problem with that is if, if the ACC is as secure as some people think, that means the only decision they will have is to look westward towards us, and that might mean the scraps end up in the Pac-12-16 when the Pac-12 is currently existing stinks. I mean, the Pac-12 is perfect, ripe for the Big 12 to raid, and I think it would be best if the conference did that, but... The Big 12 likes to sit around and watch things happen around them and then react to that, which is the worst way to handle this. I don't know if we'll have more realignment. Maybe this, the whole situation with COVID-19, the coronavirus, will slow all that talk. Um, And maybe we'll have um, a greater need for television revenue that might force the big schools to break off and say, hey, I'm sorry, we can't carry the small schools anymore because of what happened in 2020 with the virus and uh, on on we'll go. I don't know, man. This is there's so many moving parts here. It's just hard to predict the future. I think K State's in a much better position right now, being in the Big Twelve in 2020 versus when they were in 2009, 2010. You know, with Nebraska, Mizzou, Texas A&M, Colorado all leaving. You know, that kind of put the the conference in doubt. But where, like, I don't see the Pac-12 in the state that it's in right now, being able to convince anybody to join their conference. I don't think anybody is going to go to the West. I don't think Texas is going anybody. Uh, you look at, you know, these, the sec, the big 10, the ACC all having 14. I just, I don't think that there's enough schools in the big 12 that they would want to raid as well. I mean, you're looking at Big Ten taking Iowa State. They don't want Iowa State. I don't think they'd ever do that. You know, I think it's just the Big 12 has a lot of pieces that fit together very well. And I don't think that – I think that for the most part, conference members are happy. And the goal needs to be for sustainability, look to expand. Look to add the Arizona schools from the Pac-12 or even some California schools. I think that's much more realistic than – the Big 12 just kind of dissolving. Pac-12 is not going to be the one to add teams. It'd be the Big 12. I think the Pac-12 could dissolve and, you know, become a thing of the past. But K-State's going to be fine. I mean, like I said, the Big 12 is going to be expanding, if anything. I don't see them breaking up. You know, if something does happen, I think, you know, you want KU basketball in your conference. And I think that K-State would be kind of shipped off in a package deal with KU. I think it'd be safe in that regard. Um, I wouldn't rule out a possibility, like you said, the Arizona schools. You know, you've got Memphis, you know, Cincinnati, Houston, all these schools, UCF that would want to join. But something I wouldn't rule out would be, you know, a conference or, pardon me, a sport, you know, one sport only team. So you add in, you know, BYU for for football and then Wichita State for basketball. Something like that might happen. But I think K-State's going to be fine no matter what. They will be in a Power 5 conference if something realigns. I think the reality is, conferences as we know it might be coming to an end. And what I mean by that is maybe a conference like the SEC will stay as it is. But if you're a conference that's sprawling, you're going to seriously look at your Olympic sports and wonder why do we maintain the conference for all of these sports and all the travel that goes with it? Why aren't we having a, you know, a track and field conference? Let's put that out there. That or a, is- a Missouri Missouri Valley football conference. Yeah. That, that really runs the, you know, right. A swath right up the middle of the country. I mean, yeah, you should have some Missouri Valley programs in there playing your Olympic sports. So you don't have to travel. Maybe you would have a, some of your other sports, a Missouri state and a Wichita state and a Tulsa and, and those type of programs in it, but maintain your football basketball alliances uh, with the major schools, and, and maybe that would allow you even to look further around the country. For example, let's say the ACC gets raided. And, and, you know, they don't hold up because there's really tantalizing schools in there. The Big Ten's already added Maryland, and they would love North Carolina and Virginia. They would love it. Um, so then does that open the SEC to grab, uh, I'm just thinking, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, you know, Something like that, or a Clemson certainly would be on the SEC's radar. Every what's interesting to me is every conference wants something different from the ACC. If you're looking at the ACC, the Big Ten wants the really proud academic institutions because they think that's what it's all about. That's fine. The SEC 
uh, wants decent academics, but they really want the Clemson, the you know the football, uh, because that's their brand. Uh, if that happens, do you look at a conference that would actually touch both coasts? Uh, and through scheduling for football, uh, you would almost always play in your eight teams on your coast and then cross the country once or twice a year. Uh, that's a possibility if you keep it isolated with the major sports that make you money. Uh, you know, and people like, I don't want to be in a conference with with California schools. Well, stop and think if you created a conference that – uh, had a quad of Arizona, Arizona State, USC, UCLA. And I put that on the table because the Big 12 can offer USC, certainly, and maybe UCLA, those Tier 3 rights where they can create their own package of things and cash in better than they are under the current plans of other conferences. Well, those teams would all play each other and then you know selectively play other teams from other quads around the country. It wouldn't be ideal, but it is fine if you're traveling for just football or basketball. And guys, maybe it's just football. Maybe you'll come to that. It's just football because that is really the the sport that runs everything. It's all about football revenue. And let's just end this first half of the PowerCat podcast with this thought. College athletics cannot survive without a football season, period, period. College athletics, as we know it, cannot survive without having a football season and football revenue. And, may I add, that might include fan attendance. You might have to have fan attendance. So now in this world of COVID-19, suddenly we're looking at a complete crash of college athletics if they don't play football, and maybe if they don't play football with fans. It's scary to think what could happen to a lot of these sports, but the NCAA has mandated a minimum number of sports that must be offered. Kansas State is at that number. The Wildcats, as we currently sit in these rules, cannot drop a sport and continue as a member of the NCAA. They're stripped to the bare bones. They might be won over in women's sports, but then you get into the Title IX concerns where you've got to have enough athletic opportunities for women to match the men. It's a scary, scary time if you're an athletic administrator trying to figure out how you're going to pay the salaries, the bills, keep the doors open if you don't play college football. And that's why when I look at people like Kirk Herbstreit who just randomly throw that out, we won't have football, it scares me because I don't think he grasps what that really means and how he doesn't grasp that. It doesn't register with me. I'm not sure how... He thinks anything we, as we know it in college athletics can continue if we don't have college football. I'm not talking about risking people's lives. I'm talking about getting back to some sense here where maybe we can find a way that we can sit next to each other, be close to each other without being in constant threat of a virus killing us. That's the hope. That's the short-term hope is find a way to do testing and, and short-term treatments that help people survive because college athletics – probably won't survive without a college football season at some point. That's it for the first half of the PowerCat Questions podcast sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Let's put a bookmark right here, and we'll be right back on the other side with more questions from Wabash Station. Stay locked in. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fritz Wholesale Liquor. We are socially distant from each other and distant in spirit. We don't care about each other anymore. That's what it's become. I got this Gilbert guy that's all of a sudden hanging around, and I don't even give a crap about him. I'm just in my home <laughs> hanging out with dogs. Got that Zach dude, he's over uh, probably about a half mile from me. Might as well be in Europe. Don't give a crap about him either. I'm Fitz, and all of a sudden in the break, I became grumpy, and I don't know why. But here I am. Seriously, Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert, Zach Carlson, your podcast trifecta of knowledge, even if we don't get to touch each other anymore. I hope my dog's barking in the background is being picked up right now. It was. They are. Featuring your barking dog. Yeah, excited about something. What's amazing is my uh, wonderful neighbor, Will, who I call Crazy Will because he is crazy, uh, but he's a good person, uh, likes to have his uh, rock and roll blaring out of his truck as he pulls up. And I'm astonished that none of our podcasts have been taking place when Will drove up. So (laughs) it's, it's like he's a teenager at heart. We're sponsored by the fridge. Get into the fridge. Will might be there. Just pull up that truck, back it up, and say, put the booze right in the bed, give them your credit card, and drive off. I'm not sure that's how it works, but gosh darn it, it's America, and it's the COVID-19 time of year. We should be able to do that. Just roll up, load it up, and roll it on out. USA, USA. Get to the fridge. Um, This segment sponsored by our good friends at the high-low. I want to be there i want zach i want a post high low excuse me a post podcast high low date as soon as we're done with this coronavirus self-containment lockdown. we can do that we need that we need to get gills involved in that and the joy of a couple slices maybe a burger certainly pepperoni bricks and then we'll take a photo of the three of us and send it to Riley Gates and saying, hey, you're out of the club. <laughs> Can you pay for that on the company card? Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, well, we, all right. Yeah. I'm in. Can't wait. We can't wait to teach you the ways. <laughs> you, oh, boy. You are going to have fun on the company account. It's not really on the company account. Let's just say it. Uh, there's some trade involved with this advertising. Okay. Say less. Do you think Tanners would actually pay me to talk about them? No, but they will pay (laughs) me via trade to come in and uh, have a beer and a burger. Their burgers are fantastic. Get into the high-low. Get into Tanners. Get into some local business when this is all done. Please do that. Whether you're in Manhattan, Overland Park, Tulsa, Atlanta, Anywhere else in the country, when you're unlocked, get to a locally owned, locally owned business. Man, I can't talk, guys. COVID-19 has gotten my tongue twisted. Let's get going with your questions from Wild Bash Station. The second half of the PowerCat Questions podcast for mid-April. Zach. From Wizard 6294 does the NFL draft streak for K-State live another year? I don't think so. I mean, if you push me to have an answer right now, I'd say no. I don't think it will. I think they're in great peril of losing that streak with this class that's leaving. You know, ironically, it probably would have extended if players hadn't left early last year. I don't know. Um, Or a year ago. This is kind of a symptom of why a coaching change was needed, that the talent had dropped in the program and the upper classes weren't stocked with the kind of talent that you need to perpetuate success at the Big 12 level. And Kansas State uh, needed to make a change, and it did. And it would be really unfortunate if at the last moment, the last dying breath here of that 26-year streak, it dies at that moment and not get to 27. It could. There's a couple guys. We'll discuss that in a little bit. But 
this is just kind of a insignificant in the big scope of things streak, but a point of pride for Kansas State. You can use it in recruiting. Uh, you can, you know, brag about it as a fan. It is a really cool thing to have to have twenty seven. What will probably end up being thirty plus years if they can get through this year of NFL draft choices. That's amazing. And before a program that was at the point Kansas State was in 1988 when Bill Snyder arrived, if you had told anyone back then K-State would have three seasons in a row with draft choices, they would not have believed you. Never. I mean, there was guys that were picked. They were putting out some talent, but not on any form of consistent basis. So to have it at 26 is pretty incredible. And if they can get through this season and sneak in a guy – like they did a few times, and, you know, it's Snyder 2.0. That will mean the streak will be going for a while. Because I think there's some guys that uh, in the next round of dudes will be drafted. Don't ask me about juniors, because now that I think about it, I'm, I wonder if I'm on a limb here. But we'll see. Uh, there's no doubt that the talent dropped off a little bit, and we'll see if they can get back to regularly putting guys in the NFL, and hopefully the streak will survive. Yeah, I think that the streak could definitely extend because you look at last year in 2019, Dalton Reisner was really the only lock to extend it. And that was really the only person we expected to get drafted. But late, late in the sixth round uh, with a compensatory pick from the Chicago bears, you know, they took Duke Shelley. Nobody really thought that Duke was going to get drafted. Obviously, you know, he would have easily signed as a free agent deal, but uh, there's a lot of picks and, once it gets in the later rounds, it's kind of a, a, a toss-up. But just look back to Tavon Rooks magically extending the streak. Same with Bryce Brown. Just two guys that you didn't really think about. They shouldn't have ever been drafted or extended the streak or count for K-State, however you want to look at it on Bryce Brown. But um, there's just something about the NFL draft that I think that, that K-State's had some luck go its way. And I just – there's enough – fringe players we'll get into who we think might go here in a minute but there's enough of these guys like scott france you know that are popping up in mock drafts i think that someone will extend the streak and it may not be who we expect um but i there's enough picks there i think that we could see it happen everything going on right now in our world i think k-state can be a real beneficiary of it because they're a power five school that they've gotten the exposure all these players have you know, Dalton Schoen had his, you know, tested his pro day, whatever that was. You know, everyone's had their exposure, and you don't get that if you're a smaller school. So I think that's going to help K-State a lot. That would uh, lean. I was leaning initially towards a no, but I think it's a yes to answer that question. I think K-State somehow, some way, we don't know what's going to be like you said, Jack. I think they'll get it done, one player or another. From went 25 I think you're new, or this is the first time you've asked the question. Maybe not. Maybe I've said it before, but if not, welcome back. Uh, who are the top K State top five K State players that have the best chance to be selected in the NFL draft? He wants a top five, huh? Well, you got to start with Scott France. I mean, he's yeah, he's number one, easy. You know, and and it's if he was going off his freshman sophomore seasons, he would be in better shape than his junior senior seasons. Isn't that weird? I don't know what happened there. I don't. I don't think he plays with the same fire. I don't think this new system, the blocking schemes, did him any favors. They, they kind of go about things a little bit differently, and I don't think he adjusted to it. So maybe the NFL scouts see through that. He'd be at the top of the list, I believe. A lot of people talk about Nick Coltmeyer, the other tackle, just based on frame and, and potential. Um, you know, I don't know about the other guys along that line. They certainly would be up there. Some people want to talk about Trey Deshaun. I think he's too small for the league. I think Reggie Walker as a defensive end is too small as a D end and probably too slow. What well, He is too slow for linebacker. I think he's a real tweener. Maybe someone in the right system takes him on a, you know, for a chance. I don't know. Um, the guys that I, I'm intrigued with uh, when you talk about those late picks, where you know, particularly those compensation picks that people seem to take more chances with. They're kind of bonus picks. You get them, you lose someone, and part of losing someone in free agency is you get a a pick and. They kind of ID guys with those late picks that are free agent level players that maybe they uh, like better than anyone else, so they really want to get them. And that was what happened to Duke Shelley. I think Dalton Schoen fits that perfectly. 
I think with the history of Kansas State receivers, uh, Dalton Schoen sees his stock increase because there's a real history there that shows he's going to play. And I think he will make a roster, whether he's drafted or a free agent. He, if he goes to the right place, he's going to make a roster. So I really like that. I, I like Daquan Patton. I think he was hurt by the fact that franchises didn't get out there and really see him enough. Physically, he's an NFL guy. No doubt about it. Um, and a really late like stretch pick for me would be Devin Engtel. Now, I know you look at a couple things. One, he's a punter. I mean, for God's sakes, you don't draft punters that often. Usually free agent, and that's probably what he'll be, almost assuredly. Um, and two, his numbers are they're good. They're not outstanding. But that's because he punted so well in short fields, which lowers your average. But I'm just going to say this. There's an intangible that comes with any punter or kicker that is hard to put into stats. Now, maybe with a place kicker, you can look at field goal percentage. But when the ball explodes off your foot like it does with Devin Engtel, it kind of sets other things aside. I've never seen, probably since Sean Snyder at Kansas State, a punter who the ball just erupts off his foot. And a lot of Sean success and why he was All-American and up in the ring of fame was he was very technical about it. But Devin's is almost like a raw, skilled punter, which is odd. You don't get athletes punting, and he's an athlete. Uh, and, you know, ironically, I I think he's a guy that can help you in an odd situation if you need a kick coverage guy. He could do it. You wouldn't want to do it, but he's that good athlete. He, he can help you in other areas if you really need it. Uh, and certainly he can be a holder. He proved that. He's very good at that. I mean, just because he's an athlete, and he affords you an opportunity to run things from the holder that K-State never really did in, in terms of fakes. I like Devin a lot. I, I think he will play in the league if he gets the right situation. And maybe someone who really needs a punter is going to say, that's the guy we need because we see the raw skill and you put him into more coaching and see what will happen. But I don't know if that's five, but those, those are the guys that jump out at me. Maybe I missed someone in there, but uh, the, those are the ones that just come to mind. From Wizards 6294, looking forward to 2021, will Skylar Thompson be an NFL quarterback? Uh, I, he'll be a free agent signing. I mean, <clears throat> you look around the league and who's signing as free agents as quarterbacks, someone will look at his technical skills and probably sign him for the camp. And then it's up to him to prove something. In the long run, I don't think so. As we sit here today, I don't think he's an NFL guy. I don't think he's anywhere close to making a roster. But things happen when you get to that next level. I mean, some quarterbacks really adapt and, and become better quarterbacks in those NFL systems, and other quarterbacks that you think are locks don't turn out to be very good at the NFL level. So it's just a different game than college. Maybe it'll fit him better. But he's got to work on his reads, progressions, and handling pressure. And so he's got another year. He's got a lot to prove in his senior year if, if he gets to play it. I don't think Skyler's really going to get much of a chance in the NFL. Um, you know, it's a really different game the National Football League than it is in college. If he plays any way, you know, the way he played the last couple of years, if he plays like that, I don't think he's even going to get a chance. He's got a lot to improve, like you said. Uh, he can't be scrambling out of the pocket, rolling right every third play. You've got to learn to you know, handle pressure, stuff like that. If he wants a shot, he's got to really improve uh, from his last couple of years of football. From went 25 with the recent addition of Bradley Moore from you and I, what positions other than tight end do you think the coaching staff is looking for immediate help this season? Tackle. I still would love to find a tackle out there. And, uh, you know, I think anyone on the back end of the defense might be welcome too, but mostly tackle. They're, they're kind of settled in on five guys from what they have, but I, I think they'd like to find someone that's proven and can step in and do things. So keep an eye out for that. I know that was something they wanted a junior college guy. They didn't find one and tackle. And I know they were still looking, and as things progress here, we're seeing movement in the transfer portal from basketball. Maybe that's going on in football at other places, and someone will pop in there that they really like. Yeah, in addition to that, maybe someone on the defensive line. I, I mean, other than offensive line, I don't really see much much need anywhere else. Um, maybe that defensive line, someone to replace Deshaun, but that's that's all I see for me. From Chris66204, rank the home football games this season and most desirable ticket to least desirable. Are fans allowed? Yeah. Assuming yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important part there. 
The worst game is going to be against North Dakota. That's probably the least desirable ticket. And the next would be Buffalo. Well, Texas certainly is going to be in demand. Kansas will be in demand just because it's Kansas. Probably go Texas, Vanderbilt, Oklahoma State for the top three. You think Vanderbilt? You do? Just from the SEC standpoint, not necessarily that it'll be a, a fantastic game, but it should be a game K-State wins, and it should be, a, you know, it's it's the first real game of the season, so to speak. So I think that it deserves a little bit more credit than playing Texas Tech or uh, KU at home. Yeah, that's not something we're going to see too much in the Big 12. Um, is playing someone from even another conference, little on the SEC. I think it'll be a good turnoff for that game as well. Such a strange schedule. What you got, man? Two out of your final six are at home. That's just awful. Uh, with Tech and Oklahoma State being those two, and Kansas being before that, and Texas. I think you might be right. From Win the Dang Day 2001. What are your opinions on episodes one and two of The Last Dance? Should they have released them all at once? Well, this isn't a streaming service. This is ESPN. They, they want to get the ratings spread out over a long period of time for advertising. And I would have loved it. I'd love to be able to devour the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's well done. You know, we're already learning stuff. I'm sure people that were Bulls fans or in Chicago knew about the friction within the organization, but... You know, back then without social media like we have now, it, you weren't really aware of that on a national scale. I hope a younger generation is beginning to understand that Mike just wasn't a really good player. I mean, you know, one of the best players of all time. When the Magic Johnsons are saying, oh, yeah, it's no doubt he was the best player in the league, signifies that why it's never been an argument for most of us who lived through Michael who the best player of all time is. Because Michael just dominated the league. And not just that. Michael didn't take nights off to rest. He played every single game he physically could play and played every minute he was out there because he respected the people in the stands to know that they came to get a show and he would put it on. And I think that's why I liked the NBA better back then. It seemed like there was more effort night to night instead of the pacing. You see now guys resting because they need a night off. Uh, that just didn't happen with Michael. He just played and played and played, and maybe he could have played longer if he hadn't done that, but I just uh, I loved watching him. He he was good from the outside, the inside, and I've never seen anyone that could consistently take over games like Mike could and was, you know, you talk about the best defenders in the league saying, I couldn't stop him. I mean, I could stop anyone. I couldn't stop Michael. You know, the one quote that really jumped out at me was uh, James Worthy from when he was at North Carolina, an upperclassman, when Mike came in as a freshman, and Mike dragged him back on the court to play some one-on-one. And James Worthy said, well, I was better than him for two weeks. And then, you know, we're talking about a guy that's Hall of Fame level player in the NBA, you know, as his career continued. We're, we're talking about a freshman that came in, and after two weeks he was better than that level of player at the collegiate level. Because James Worthy was a great college player, too. I was better than him for two weeks, and then he was just kept getting better and better. He just kind of soaked everything up. I thought that was the most telling quote for me in the first couple parts. I love the quote. I don't remember who said it, but it was uh, the guy talking about how MJ would always go out. You know, he'd play most of the games because somebody was in the, those stands watching him for the first time, which was just when you put it in perspective, it's kind of interesting to think about that. You know, if you're playing, you know, whatever sport, somebody's there watching you for the first time. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, It's kind of a perspective thing to think about. Uh, I did think the pacing was a little bit slow um, at times. Like the the trip to France, you know, there's a lot of things that just maybe they're important, maybe they're not. But it feels like like they padded some episodes. Yeah, the first one in particular, just it just seemed there were some good bits in there, but it just it wasn't as juicy as as you might think it might be. I mean, there was some good stuff, but there were some times where I was like, "All right, let's let's get going, let's get moving, let's move on to the next thing." Here. I thought it jumped around a little too much. You know, they were going from you know the end of his career, the '98 season, then they went back to the beginning of his his rookie season, then they went to Scotty Pippen's. 
you know, injury with his knee or whatever that was. And they kept jumping around back and forth. I thought it was a little too just uh, sporadic, if that's the right word. Um, I like a documentary that's chronologically you know, set in stone that goes through time. Uh, other than that, I thought it was a pretty good um, – it was nice to watch the documentary. Like you said, Zach, there was a little too much fluff, a little too much filling in there. But I will, I will say this about the whole MJ-LeBron debate. I have never seen you – know, I was never alive for for Michael Jordan. So I don't – I never – my whole life I've never felt like my opinion really matters because I didn't get to watch him play. I only got to see LeBron. I think that for my 21 years of life, LeBron has been the best basketball player that I've seen play live. I haven't seen him play live but on TV in this NBA. But watching this documentary has – it's definitely changed my opinion. I've always leaned LeBron throughout my whole life, but definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think that this, it really shows you how good Michael Jordan was. You talked about all these players that are saying, yeah, he was the best player to ever live. And that's coming from his, his athlete colleague. I know some people say, okay, Scotty Pippen, you know, what if he wasn't a part of the picture? What is his playoff re- record without Pippen? And I know it's not too good, but you can say the same exact thing about LeBron. You know, he went to Miami, joined you know, Chris Frost, Dwayne Wade. You can point fingers all you want, but at the end of the day, I just don't feel like I have a real, you know, I don't have room to talk because I didn't get to see MJ play when he was in his prep. Last question of the podcast from Adam K63. Does former Chicago Bulls GM Jerry Krause remind you somewhat of a former athletic director in wow. recent years? Well, yeah, it does. Does a lot of personality similarities. Need to be in control. Don't like. Wants to be the alpha when they're clearly not an alpha. Yeah, it, it really does. Wants to be the front guy, not the coach, not the players. It it did. It really did. I thought of it as I was watching him and physically, and you know, some things are certainly different. But boy, that personality needing to be recognized and in charge and kind of awkward around the players. Yeah, I, I saw it. I. Saw it 100%. Going around, getting, finding your next coach, just kind of out on, on your own and How weird not really was that? following orders of anything. How weird was that? How weird would that have been for Tim Floyd to have him courting you while you're still Iowa State coach, but then you have to wait another year to be the coach? Just very strange. Very, very strange. I, I look forward to more of this. Kind of learning the ins and outs, but... I learned one thing between sessions one and two was that uh, they seemed to tread over the same thing twice. You know what I mean? It seemed like uh, the storytelling progression wasn't as clearly defined as I would like from a documentary. Yeah. You know, it seems like, hold on, we're, we're bouncing back and forth in the timeline instead of kind of moving forward from a point because they're trying to do a documentary about two things. They're trying to do a documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls dynasty, but it's called The Last Dance. It's about the last season that they were all together, and they're trying to do those two things, and they hop around a little bit, and I, I find myself yeah. getting a little confused at times. It's it's enjoyable, but I'll be interested to see where they go in future parts and if they're a little more inside their boundaries of timelines. Yeah, I hope so. Zach, when was it supposed to be originally aired, do you know? Supposed to be in June, and I want. Okay. I, I, yeah, the final I, side. Yeah, I do wonder if this expedited process is kind of a downfall. Maybe they had to rush some things. I'm sure it was close to being done, but it wouldn't surprise me if um, had there been two more months to you know recut something or you know get it how you know have one extra watch over it and maybe rearrange some things around. Um, I wonder if that would have would have helped the progression or or something like that. But I thought it was interesting how, back to, to Jerry Krause, how the players would openly make fun of him in front of him. Like, <laughs> it was just, like, just Michael Jordan's star power and just, like, he knows that he could do whatever he wanted. He could get away with murder if he wanted to. Um, he could say whatever he wanted about Jerry Krause in front of him because there was nothing Jerry could do. It was just kind of, this interesting dynamic. Yeah, I'm recalling a time uh, we did a live show of the drive. Or maybe it wasn't live. Maybe it was recorded with a live studio audience 
on the Tubby's patio many years ago, and a group of basketball players came in and sat in the back of the were they were there and yeah at Tubby's and they thought, oh, we'll just come in and sit down and watch this. And one of the players had a drink, a mixed drink, and he was twenty one. And somehow John Curry found out about this, that a player was drinking at a can at a television thing and called Frank and had him get someone down there to stop a twenty one year old from drinking. I mean it was that wow. kind of stuff that was just constant. Just kind of, he wasn't on camera. He was just in attendance, legally drinking alcohol. It's just very, very odd, manipulative, controlling, micromanaging, wanting to be in charge when you didn't need to be in charge, that type of thing. And Ryan Wallace did kind of a fun 30 for 30 mock opening of the receipt for the whole story behind the Frank Martin, Jamar Samuels. And John Curry finding of the receipt and suspending Jamar for what turned out to be his last game of his Kansas State career for something that the NCAA later said, you didn't really need to suspend him. Just tell us about it. It wasn't that big a deal. If he pays back the money, then it's it's all okay. Uh, but John needed to assert his control, and that was really his final effort to run out Frank, and it worked. It would be a fun story, but I think now, it, as time moves on, it's probably getting too distant. It's not something that... You know, lingers too much. But the fact that John Curry's an AD again might keep it fresh. If something happens at at Wake, then maybe I, maybe it pops back up. I was told that he was sitting courtside, actively taking notes on his basketball coach all season. Something he did to Frank, and something he didn't do after he hired Bruce Weber, which tells you all you need to know about his personality. Had to be his guy, guy he felt like he was in charge of and controlling. So. I don't know. I look forward to this, and I look forward to um, figuring out how to do these podcasts better. We have run into a number of issues as we progress through this podcast. <laughs> you probably heard different mic changes and different things. Internet failed. Zoom failed. We've gone uh, more to phones right now. Uh, we'll figure it out. Maybe Zach will be going to the office to push the record button on his end on the WTC Gig Pirate Internet, or maybe I will. I mean... I can social distance myself, distance myself as I get to the office. Nobody will be in our office. Maybe Fritchin. I'll make him close his door and, you know, maybe tape all the cracks on his door shut with a duct tape so nothing can get in. He might suffocate <laughs> if he stays too long. But, you know, my safety is would. I wonder what that would sound like. I don't know. Sound like Bane from Batman. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be entertaining. Oh. Well, K-State is very good at football. If I trusted you I more, <laughs> if I trusted you more, Zach, I would allow you to be within six feet of me, like on the other side of the podcast studio. But you're sketchy as hell. I don't know what I, you're doing. I, You seem like a nice kid staying in the basement and just hanging out and playing video games. But I bet you you're out there uh, fishing and and jogging and doing things outdoors and just getting exposed to that wild Rona that's on the loose. And you're sketchy. That's all I got to say. Well, I started wearing a mask out in public. Well, not really a mask. It's my my uh, winter weather when it's 20 degrees on the sidelines, balaclava. But I just wear it on my neck like I'm going to rob the place. I wear my sunglasses. That's the cool way to do it is wear one of those. You just got it around your neck. Kind of like uh, you're a trendy guy, but then you can just pull it up and look really cool. I've just got some nice little medical paper ones that'll do. And a very kind person on Twitter dropped off two K-State-themed cloth pleated masks for the wife and I. One wife size, one big daddy size, and they're fantastic. So I've got that too. And everything else, we've had some other people bring stuff by. All have been donated to Metal Arc Hills. If you have a surplus of masks, send them to a retirement community. I don't know why you would, but they can always use them. Are we done? Is that it? That's it. We very many this week. Ah, you we broke up. Some. You you broke up on that. I'm going to leave that in to let people know all the <laughs> stuff that we've gone through. Zoom is apparently not zooming very well, and I'm going to flat out call bull. You know what on on these people that are doing musicals via Zoom. 
like people are all singing together in harmony all at once. Bull crap. There's no way this system, and I'm a subscriber. I'm not doing the free version. I'm a subscriber. There, there must be a high-level version, or there, this is probably what's going on. They're probably going into everyone's house and hooking them up to fiber if possible. I mean, yeah. if you're... Everybody has to be out on fiber. There's no way it's not. And they're wired in. And they're also probably then sending in their, their master audio um, then is spliced into, which, you know, is a good way to do it. You send in the audio you record on your end, and then that gets sent in, and that's what plays. So, Zach, are you recording right now? No. Uh, see, not that we can't do it. We can't do that because you're not recording another fail from this edition of the PowerCat Podcast. We pledge to you two things. We will continue to podcast. Yes, we will. And we will try. We will do better next time. And a big announcement right here on the next edition of the Life of Fitz podcast. We put up Greg Sharp earlier in the week. If you haven't heard from the voice of the Huskers, I know that sounds weird, Greg Sharp. He is up with the Life of Fitz podcast. Episode two for this week will be a former K-State football player that nobody knew as a K-State football player until he became one of the men vying for the hand of the Bachelorette and became the Bachelor, Sean Lowe, will be joining me later in this week to do a Life of Fitz podcast. I barely remember Sean from his playing days, so this is the biggest stretch I've had in terms of the format of this podcast. You know, people I've known and encountered, so this could be interesting, but he's a pretty fun guy, and maybe we'll just joke around the whole time. I don't know, but I am. Ready for this, Riley Gates, if you're out there listening? I am doing research on The Bachelor, so I'm better prepared to interview Sean Lowe. Are you happy, Riley? Are you happy about what's happened to me? You probably are. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.